Hello, I'm Michael D.J. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers, new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. The podcast will try to stay focused, asking each guest three questions and asking the guests to provide their three top best answers for each question asked. There is no right or wrong answer as each tip may or may not be the right one for you, but it may springboard an idea for you and along the way you may learn something new. My next guest is Erin Gertensing. I came across Erin in a webinar presentation and thought she'd make a great guest on the TSLP podcast. Erin is a top-rated Atlanta criminal attorney defense attorney. She's a nationwide lecturer and a presenter at the ABA Tech Shows. Her courtroom experiences have enabled her to successfully defend DUI, probation violations, traffic tickets, and other misdemeanor and felony offenses. But it's her use of technology and how she uses it in her law practice that I wanted to discuss with her today. Erin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And I appreciate you having me here today. And uh, to start off, the first question I'd like to ask you is, please tell us about your current tech setup. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love talking about um, technology. So I'm a solo practitioner, mm-hmm. and I have a criminal defense practice in Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. And I, my background, like my sort of journey to technology wasn't that I always loved technology, but really came to it out of necessity um, when I left the firm that I had been at uh, and went solo. And so a lot of the technology pieces that I've built into my firm were a way to let me go solo while keeping my overhead low and not having to hire a big team to support me. And I had, of course, been leaving a big team. So all of the technology decisions that I made were really initially, at least selfishly, around how can I accomplish a lot of these tasks without having to pay somebody to do it much in this, you know, in the similar way that my old law firm had real live people. I had a staff of four people who were part of the support team Mm -hmm. and I had to go from four to zero. Um, So the tech setup that I chose was one that let me work remotely. So I used Clio for practice management software. Um, At the time when I left, I was using Zapier to automate a lot of the process um, and sort of communication tools in my law firm. I've since graduated to now using Lawmatics, which I'm a big fan of, and it's sort of an all-in-one, one-stop shop for automation. And you know, um, there's a lot that has a lot of functionality that I don't <laughs> expertly use it at, but I love it for automation in my practice. Um, and then you know, that combined with a lot of other fun tools like Calendly. Um, and wait, wait, using... wait, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> we're we're going to get there. I promise you, we're going to get there. Uh, but wait, yeah. Uh, as you and I were kind of talking about before, and we got to try to keep certain things focused. So I got to, I got to know like what technology are you using? What's your laptop? What's your, what's, what phone are you using? Um, any, any devices that you might want to share with the listeners? Oh yeah. Sorry. I like definitely went off on my own tangent there. Um, <laughs> it's I all, am it's all right. Let me tell you that. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I keep it pretty simple. I have a Mac air, uh, a MacBook air and I have a, um, iPhone that I use most, mostly for most of my work. Um, and I can take those anywhere. So, so for your MacBook Air, uh, what version do you have? What year? 
Uh, 20, oh, now, now you're going to out me as like not really being technology savvy or maybe being savvy enough to marry somebody who loves computers. Right, right. Um, but 20, 2019, we bought it in 2019. Oh, okay. And I hear those things sing. Uh, they do. I've been, I've, I'm such a Mac fan though. You know, I, it would be hard to dissuade me from any tool. So always take it with a grain of salt when I'm raving about a Mac tool. Well, you know, as, as a fellow solo and as we are all trying to keep our calm down you know one of the things I've learned as I'm a Mac aficionado too is that you can lease computers so that oh I did not know yeah, that through through Apple they have a partnership so if you and perhaps if the listener doesn't know uh, and, you know we, we do both Windows and Mac uh, I just come across more Mac uh, guests for some reason but I'm always open to Windows guests is that if you you can create a business account with Apple now, mind you, the business account itself is, quote unquote, nothing special in a sense that, you know, it's not like you get a special discounts necessarily or anything of with fringe benefits. It's just that you get a little more personal service. And if you ask about leasing your computer versus buying it, uh, they are they are with a bank. I want to say it's CIT that handles their leasing. And so if you lease a computer for every two to three years, you can always have the newest and the best if that's something that's important to you. Oh, I love that. Because quite frankly, I mean, technology is always changing. And, you know, you and I, well, I, I don't know if you heard, saw the Worldwide Developing uh, Developers Conference for Apple, uh, but they are switching from Intel chips to ARM chips, and they're going to drastically change their operating system. So there's going to be a need, if you're running on a Mac, there's going to be a need to change your computer probably in three to five years. Yeah, I saw that. And having, you know, that is, that's a good point because the expense of Mac is always, that that's where the rubber meets the road, I think, right. for people. Um, but at the same time as a solo, you know, my pushback is it gives me a lot more space to not have to be as proactive. Like I am proactive about security. I am proactive right. about a lot of those things, but I love having the layer of protection of knowing that I'm investing in technology that is also working hard to protect me on top of the measures that I'm taking. And so um, that's, you know, a little bit maybe, maybe laziness um, because I'm sure if I was willing to, to spend more time on it, that the ROI may not be there. Um, but I do, I do find that it's so much easier to use on a number of different levels. But it, it, on the ROI also, not only security, but also longevity. Yes. I mean, I, at first, when you said, I heard nine, I was thinking you were going to tell me you were, were using a 2009, <laughs> you know, MacBook Air, which some people are using like 2011. Oh, yeah. No, my good friend Ben Sessions, he's mm -hmm. rocking amazing um, technology in his office. We were laughing. Actually, one of, I think it must be a 10-year-old Mac had a, com a camera on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a far better camera than what's currently on the computers. Um, and I think we're going to see some better cameras moving forward. But, you know, it's just a testament to how long that technology can last and how useful it continues to be. I have plenty of friends and colleagues who, you know, are still wearing out their machines. Oh, yeah. And, you know, more power to them. Uh, you know, it may be the technique, the tech geek, or they may want to spend their money on something else, which I'll respect. Um, <laughs> but, but wait, uh, what iPhone are you using? Oh goodness! Um, see, see, I knew I should have like I should have gotten a cheat sheet. Uh, you know, a fair, fairly the fairly new one. Um, as I've already confessed, my husband loves to keep us up to speed. He's he is in more of a technology field. So, is it the eleven? I'm guessing. Yes. 
What uh, size form factor do you prefer? Do you prefer the, the big one or the small one? I don't have the big one, but mainly that's just a question of portability for me. You know, mm. if I if I always had like a jacket pocket inside pocket, then I probably would be sporting the bigger one. But since I my pockets don't usually come that big, um, so for women in particular, right. uh, I like to carry my phone in my pocket, and so it has to be that is the size around which I uh, decide. Well, will you be looking at the new iPhone that came out, the new small one? I, f I forget the number off the top of my head. Um, yes, well, always. I'm always looking at all the new technology. <laughs> at least your husband is, right? <laughs> at least my husband is. He's, he's usually picking it, looking at it, watching a lot of YouTube videos about it, and then, and then release it. So are there any other tech devices that you use uh, on a day-to-day -day basis for your firm, for your practice? Um, well, so, you know, if we're talking about the actual artifact, like what are the objects that I've brought that those are the primary tools that I rely on to run my practice. Um, obviously, I think in this time where we've all sort of switched to a remote kind of style mm -hmm. of communication, I think I would, and I would sort of broaden that to say, you know, I'm using a lot more technology filming. Um, so, you know, I have a Yeti microphone and I'm doing a lot more of the, that sort of engagement. And it, it, increasingly, that, that's a bigger part of my work than it ever had been. And how are you communicating with your, well, well forgive me, we, we won't linger here too long, but how, how are you communicating with your clients mostly? Are you doing Zoom? Are you doing phone? So that stayed the same, actually, because um, of the kind of practice that I have. I'm a criminal defense attorney, mm -hmm. so often we're on the road all the time anyway. So that's my favorite time to communicate with clients, touch mm -hmm. base, talk to them will be when I'm driving on the phone. Right, right. And so that was a very easy transition. Obviously, I'm not driving to as many courts these days, but um, the phone is my favorite way to communicate. And I'll even go so far as to say my favorite when it just comes to those sort of day-to-day -day check ins is the most basic tool would be texting um, is my favorite, most simple way to communicate with clients. Excellent. Excellent. So if I may ask, how, when you're texting, are you texting from your cell phone number to your clients or are you using a yes. text service? I am. I am texting from my cell phone. I uh, I actually come from a family of lawyers and, you know, the who and my parents are, were actually small um, law firm owners. Mm -hmm. They always have afforded access to their clients, like immediate access. So clients always had our home phone number growing oh, wow. up. Oh, wow. um, and then as their, the technology in their law firm, you know, graduated to cell phones, clients always had um, my parents' cell phone numbers. So when I started practicing, it always seemed obvious that that was the number I was going to uh, pass out. So now that's continued and, um, you know, I've just, I've just gone with it. And I've always found it to be, you know, my favorite way to communicate directly with clients is for them to have immediate access. Well, how do you set boundaries? Mm, I love that question. That's such a great question. Uh, and I think in particular, um, a lot of lawyers push back on me about that because they say, well, if my clients had access to me, they would just you know, be calling me all the time. Um, and I sort of want to challenge people if that is the thought that sort of popped into your head when we were talking about this. I love to challenge people to start experimenting um, because I think that the assumption is people would overuse that and abuse it. But as it turns out, you know, human behavior is funny. It's not always the way that we predict it to be. And often clients feel that because they have that instant access to me, they treat it so carefully for the most part. Um, so I very rarely get calls or texts on the weekend um, unless it's actually an emergency. And my clients, you know, treat it 
uh, with kid gloves, I would say often. And it's sort of like, I like to liken to it, especially for new parents, you know, if, mm -hmm. if pediatricians would have given us their cell phone numbers right. when, we were, when me and my husband were new parents, right. we would have been so careful with that and so grateful and said, okay, we're going to use this only when, only when it's an emergency because we don't want to blow this sort of access. So uh, for whatever reason, my clients almost always have um, respected that. Well, have there been times when they've been sent a voicemail or they just get your voicemail because for whatever reason, you're just not able to answer the phone, whether it's three, three o'clock in the morning or you're at a family function or, you know, in a tunnel. Uh, has there been any pushback in the sense like, hey, I called you. Why didn't you answer? Oh, um, no, that's a great question. No, never. And I think that that's, that's the nice, you know, I, I like to invest a lot in my relationships with my clients. So my clients do feel very friendly and I, you know, I don't sort of hold them at arm's length. And so that really accessibility becomes, you know, just like reaching any other person in the modern age when you have their cell phone, we're not always going to be available. Right. Um, but clients also appreciate and know that I'm often in court. And that's why I love texting, because in almost all those instances that you described, mm -hmm. other than the tunnel, you can text. And so, um, you know, the psychology with handling clients and delivering an excellent client experience is not so much about, um, I think lawyers get into, we get uh, worked up and into trouble because we think when a client reaches out or has a question, they need a problem solved immediately. And we often feel pressure, like we don't have time to solve that problem immediately. Sure, sure. Um, but that's mistaking what, what's happening from the clients and the client just needs to know, hey, I have a problem. Are you on it? Do you know about it? You know, can you, can you receive this alert that I'm sending you? But they don't always need an immediate answer. So what I've found is when clients are calling, almost regardless of why they're calling, if I can quickly text back and say, hey, I saw you called, I'm in trial, I'm not gonna be available until then, or you know, um, can this wait until Tuesday? If it's an emergency, let me know. Then those are those, these quick moments where clients really appreciate having that quick response. And almost always it's, no, no, tomorrow's fine, or let's talk later. Um, or if it isn't a true emergency, then I can quickly know and make arrangements to be available. Um, but that's why one of my favorite methods of communicating with clients is by texting because we can often you know, quickly get to the heart of the matter um, and get the kind of help they need or respond very easily without, um, without leaving them wondering, you know, is my lawyer there? Are they paying attention? Do they care? <laughs> Uh, that that sounds like you have a perfect handle on it. I, I think I'm a little envious, and I'm sure some others listening in are envious too. Uh, but let's let's focus uh, back to our three main questions for the day. Uh, that being said, what are three must-have tech skills for attorneys today? Um, yes, I love this question because I, you know, I don't think I've been asked this question before. And I think it's um, funny for lawyers to, when I had to think about this, I think the assumption is, and I get this so often from lawyers that we think that people who are good at technology just have some kind of innate ability or skill. Um, and so I would love to sort of uh, poke holes in that theory, uh, mm -hmm. because I certainly don't think that's true with me. And I don't think that's true with many of the people who I've seen do really incredible things with technology these days. Um, so I got to list so my number one uh, skill that I think attorneys need to have to be good with technology is curiosity. Okay. Um, I think being curious about what kinds of solutions to problems that you currently have out there is one of the first and most important things that places you need to be. You know, so many, I think, uh, people come in, and this is really a mindset, <laughs> um, uh, issue and the good news is you can shift it wherever you are you are in control and you can shift it but being curious and being open to technology 
is so much of a difference. You're so much farther ahead than for people who sort of come in reluctant. I hate technology. You know, there's people have all these bias, um, all these biases and all of this sort of emotion around technology that clouds their ability to be curious and think creatively about what they can do with technology. And so being open and curious, I think, are, is the number one skill when it comes to uh, introducing more technology into your practice. Well, but then what are the other, what are some of the tech skills that they have to have? I know you, so I, I think it is important that they be open and they be curious and that they be up to date as, especially as the ABA rules require, you know, like 1.6, but you know, what are the must have fundamental skills? I mean, for instance, I don't think any attorney who's practicing today that obviously, you know, no one has a secretary, you have to know how to use a computer and quite frankly, with that comes typing. You know, that was probably one of the best classes I took in high school. Now, granted, not everyone took typing when they were in high school or even in college, um, but in, many have adjusted by learning how to hunt and peck. But, sure. you know, but that's sort of like one of those skills you have to be able to use a keyboard. Um, well, now my, now I, I think my 10-year-old might beg to differ, though, because my 10-year-old would pick up our, our Apple TV remote and just put the, and just oh. do voice control. Right, right, um, right. So I think even that, I think when we're talking about, I do agree that there's some, if we were to call that a hard skill, there are some hard skills that are helpful here. Uh, but I think that the most valuable skills moving forward are your ability to learn new skills. Um, and part of that's curiosity. And I guess on some level, like, yeah, can you get to YouTube? Is maybe the, the threshold uh, tech skill that you have to have because I think that if you can get to YouTube and you have 10 minutes um, and you have the second quality that I've listed on my list of three, which is patience, um, mm -hmm. you can learn and solve any almost any tech problem that you're going to be confronted with as a small um, or solo law firm. So, uh, you know, there's so much right now in today's day and age, not only is there so much information out there like YouTube or right, right. as we're seeing free webinar after free webinar after free webinar or podcast, we have so many resources to learn. And on top of that, all of the tools that are out there, you know, this isn't 10 or 20 years ago where technology was difficult, where you really had to um, understand something fundamental about how it worked in order to master it. Nowadays, you know, the whole field of user experience and design, these tools are made to be used by people who don't understand technology. So we have a completely different landscape. The tools out there are available to everyone. And I do, I do think like, like you said, like, yes, typing. I mean, look, I took C++ in college. <laughs> that programming though, knowledge is that helpful in letting me understand how to use things like Zapier. Sure, or how to do you know some automation in lawmatics, definitely. But but it's not a requirement. All that's required is you know um, being curious right. and open to learning and being patient and being willing to watch these really pretty well done instructional videos on almost any tech tool that's out there. So basically, any attorney who wants to learn something new can easily do that just by searching on YouTube. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the a question you didn't ask though is why, what is the thing that holds attorneys back from technology? And I think that answer is also emotional. It's that, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's also shame. I have so many attorneys who come up to me and they say, Aaron, you know, I, I don't even own a laptop. Like where, where, where do I start? Um, so there's, there's a lot of emotion holding attorneys back, but I don't think it's actually know-how. I think it really is a mindset um, because 
because it's so easy and because you know when you sit through a workshop and you learn Calendly how to use a right. tool like Calendly I mean that is really life-changing in a lot of practice areas um, and it's a very simple tool to use and you don't need any sort of um, training in order to be comfortable with it you know you could spend an hour with it and walk out having a completely different process for intaking new clients um, so it's really profound the kinds of things that you can do with a little bit of work um, and know-how and curiosity well let me ask you uh, i guess two questions one you know those who are having that issue of uh, taking that leap of faith you know to you know actually buy a laptop to start learning something new what what's the one thing you would tell them to say hey you know, it's okay. You need to do this. You'll be Maybe other than buy a Mac. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, there are people who, who use Windows and for whatever reason are more comfortable with it. I think it's so easy to assume that everybody out there is so ahead of you you know, and we tell ourselves that story. And we do this with social media, we do this with all aspects of our lives. And we see something and we assume like, oh, the best version of what we're seeing, that person must have all of this figured out because look at this tool that they're using. Um, and we use that to sort of as a weapon against ourselves to be, that's another reason I could never catch up, I could never be there, I'm not that person. And so I think that that first step is being, you know, you, you have to, give yourself some positive self-talk. You can do this, you know, whereas 10 years ago, if you've tried before, um, I've had people who, you know, had a bad experience with technology and just one and they didn't want to go back to it. So there is, we're all on the path. We're all at different places on the path. Even right, right. if you don't think you're on the technology path, you are. And, you know, the possibilities are really endless. So one of my favorite things about technology is once you solve one tiny problem in your law office, mm -hmm. it will become addictive and you will absolutely right. be driven to find the next problem that you can solve, the next way you can automate or simplify or lower costs. And that becomes the adrenaline, sort of like a drug that, that drives further change. So start small. You don't need to, so many people are saying, oh, I'm ready and I want to do a global kind of thing. Start small, find a place to begin. Um, and then of course, you know, I think finding your community too. And now um, with everybody being online, there's a lot of great communities mm -hmm. for lawyers, a lot of amazing Facebook groups mm -hmm. that um, you can go and get friendly advice from and inspiration, inspiration from. So this sort of leads into my other part of this question. How do you suggest attorneys find time? Because as you and I both know, attorneys are always busy and they're always worried about, you know, work and the client and, get, and being productive and getting the billable hour. What would you suggest to anyone, to any attorney, this is how you can find some time? I mean, that's a great question because that's always our pressing issue. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're like, for criminal defense attorneys, we're in court half the day, we get back to the office. Now we have to do the brief writing, the new client intake, the mm -hmm. follow up mm -hmm. on court mm -hmm. dates and prepare for tomorrow's court. So it's hard to imagine saying, where does technology fit? And that's really where I think lawyers have always struggled to interrupt that flow. But if we don't interrupt that, we will never get out. That is, you are stuck in the mud. If you right. are not able to stop mm -hmm. and focus on this. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the first part is like, maybe it's a little luxury, but the first part is really also another mindset shift of running a business is about running smart technology. 
Right. Uh, and, you know, lawyers, we don't always love to think of our law practices as, as businesses, and we don't like to think of ourselves as business people, surely. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but if we want to make money, we have to. And we have to now understand that technology is no longer something you can delegate to your support team. Um, it is one of the core fundamental decisions you need to be making as a business person. And so to neglect that is is willfully choosing to to, to um, put yourself in a vulnerable position where you can't move forward. So making the time, uh, I think, is definitely a question of being hard. I, I know some attorneys have done some fun things, so I'll give you some like fun tips. Oh, please. Um, so my friend Megan Xavier um, and Jess Birkin, they are very good friends and they live in different parts of the country. But mm -hmm. what they love to do is when they're going to work on their practice, work on their business, design a subscription service or find a right. new technology, right, right. sometimes they'll find ways where they're going to conferences together or just like, you know, pick, like look for flights, go, go somewhere remote and give themselves like an extra day where they just have built a working session for themselves okay. and they crush through work. You know, they've, they've right. said, no, we're not doing any work today. We're not doing any parenting today. Right? Like they've <laughs> removed themselves from all the normal daily right. flow. And you would be amazed at the kind of work that they can crush through in that short period of time. So I'm always jealous when they do those little mini retreats. Right. Um, and, it, and it's so easy for us to do that. You don't need to fly somewhere to go and do that. Uh, but, but they do it in a very intentional way. Um, one of the ways I like to do it is like, I like to pick new technology. I always like to say, hey, if you're going to try to play around with a new technology tool, like Calendly is a good place to start or intake forms. I like to do it sort of in a relaxed setting. So never on a Tuesday, you know, in the middle of the morning when things right. are crazy and busy, you need to give it, you need to give yourself space to do it where you can be frustrated and not give up and not being, you know, sort of peppered with a thousand different requests. So sometimes that's like, you know, happy hour on a Friday afternoon and you a glass of wine and you say okay i'm gonna play with this tool um or pick sort of a fun give it make it a fun project and not sort of built into your you know i would for me it would be like brief writing time where that's much more serious um right, right, focused right. time well those those are some excellent ideas and i hope i know i'm going to take some to heart and i hope the listener does too but let's move on to uh, question number two what three pieces of software or hardware do you use to make your office workflows sync um, so, so that's, this is a fun one. So I wanted to dig deep because we've already mm -hmm. mentioned a bunch of like the, you know, a lot of the regular tools that lawyers are using. So I'm going to uh, throw out some of the ones that you may not have been expecting, um, but I've been really enjoying these days. So number one tech product or tool that I've been using, um, one fun one, especially during these <laughs> COVID times, is uh, Canva. I've been using a lot of Canva for producing, for helping me produce graphics for uh, social media, uh, for new digital products that I've been working on, um, you know, for downloadable products for other my clients, um, or I also do a lot in the legal education space, so for other lawyers. So it's funny to find myself using this. And for those of you who don't know, Canva is a tool where you can design um, pictures, flyers, pamphlets, right. slides, um, and it has a lot of like just great easy to use tools and stock photography. So that's just a great place. Um, and I think I've been seeing a lot of lawyers, especially younger lawyers are using it very effectively. So when you see things going by on social and it looks really well designed and maybe looks like a graphic designer was involved, uh, more times than not, it's just people using Canva. I use it for the blog's icon. It's, it's easy to use and they look quite professional, at least I think. 
That's right. Um, and it's a great, it's another place where it's an easy, fun tool. That's a great mm -hmm, Friday mm -hmm. afternoon yeah. oh, with yeah. a glass of wine. Oh, yeah. You can do flyers for your kid's school, bake sale, whatever yeah. it is. Um, what's nice is that you're going to find all kinds of applications for it. But it's also a fun way to use your brain that I didn't, I don't normally get to do in the practice of law. So that also makes it um, just a, an interesting, fun tool to have. Um, so the other tool that I've been relying on a lot since mm -hmm. I've been spending so much more time in front of my computer and so much <laughs> less time in court uh, is Workona is the tech tool and it's spelled work with O-N-A at the end of it. Um, and it is a program that organizes all of your tabs uh, depending on what project you're working on. So I have the problem on my computer with my browsers that I will have, I'm a one monitor person and I know that that's controversial, but like I only have one monitor, which means no, wait, I have wait, a million. When you say one monitor, do you mean just the laptop? Well, monitor? just my laptop. I don't have the fancy setup where I, and I know that, it, that it's better and probably superior, but um, so that means though, but only having the laptop in the one screen means I have a million tabs open at all times. And that can be so frustrating when you lose things or feel very disorganized. And I love um, organized spaces. So Workona, what it does is organize all the tabs depending on the project that I'm in. So I can quickly shift um, from, you know, a set of tabs that are relevant to, uh, you know, a new set of tabs when I'm working on a different project. Well, wait, I, I have to ask uh, for what kind of browser? Uh, Chrome. Okay, Chrome. And mm -hmm. there's another one that I use that actually I will have blogged about it. Um, because what it does is it pauses all of the browsers that are not open. Mm. So, because as you know, Chrome and uh, Opera are both big resource drains. Oh, yeah. It's sort of the... Uh, why my computer is always so upset with me. Right. Yeah, actually, that's why. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I, it's computer I turned, abuse for sure. Yeah, I, that's why I turned it off. And suspender. Mm. Suspender. Suspender. Okay. Suspender. Uh, it's free and works really well. Awesome. So. Well, that's a new one for me. Hey, uh, you know, you're helping us. You give, you get yeah, a little, you give, you it's get, great. Yeah, you're helping us. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to help uh, in return. That's, uh, that's, that's what this tech community, I think, has been about. That's uh, right. It's trying to help each other. Um, all right, so we have Workona, and we also have Suspender. And uh, so I'm afraid that one can't be your third. No, that is not my third, <laughs> sadly. But hopefully next time it will be my third. Um, <laughs> But uh, so my third is actually one that I, I, I love this tool, but mm -hmm. I am not super in love with their privacy protections. So I only get to use it for some non-confidential information stuff, but um, it is Notion, which mm -hmm. is an online product in the cloud. Uh, and it's sort of, a, I would say it is, um, a much better, more sophisticated version of either OneNote or Evernote. Okay. Um, and I'm a big fan of Evernote. I love using Evernote for trials. Also, you have to be really careful about any information that you're putting in a lot of these tools. So that's always the trick for lawyers is I'm always thinking, oh, this is great. I could do so much, but this is not necessarily going far enough to protect confidential information. Um, but Notion is great because it is a great collaborating tool. So mm -hmm. what I'm using it for now, it's non-confidential. So um, all of my office operations around marketing mm -hmm. or social media or um, for online 
uh, for our community around our online DUI courses. It's for all the weekly emails that are going out um, and uh, organizing all of our interviews. And surely, I'm sure for podcasts, you have a, a, a great way of organizing all the guests and all the content. Um, so Notion is just this really amazingly well-designed tool that allows you to organize any possible information that you would need, images, you know, um, uh, tables for collecting all kinds of information, links. It's so great. It's got this really easy drag and drop function. And it basically, you point your mouse and it does whatever it is that you want it to do. So it's so intuitively designed. It's really just like a fantastic space to be in and collaborate with other people in. Um, so I'm a huge fan there, but I really wish that there was a way that we could um, beef their, their privacy protections. For a while, they were getting called out on Twitter because their privacy, uh, their terms and conditions included, they owned all of the information that you put oh, in wow. there. Um, so it was pretty, it's pretty brutal. They got bullied a lot on Twitter. So I think that they've um, upped their game a little bit there, but you know, a word of caution not to use it for client stuff. Well, on the topic of privacy, let me ask you, um, recently, LinkedIn has been sued for privacy issues because they're looking at information that are on the um, on iPhones clipboards. Yeah, I saw that. And, you know, I just it just seems it doesn't seem that regardless of how much security you put in it, someone's always going to figure something out to try, you know, you know, build build a better mousetrap, get a better mouse. Sure. You know? Well, and that's that could that comes back full circle to where we started with using Mac products. Um, you know, that is just one, it's like, hey, you can wear your seatbelt in a car crash. It's not going to necessarily guarantee that you're not injured. Right. But it's a seatbelt, you know, right. it's better oh, yeah. than not having it. Yeah, um, it, it just amazes me that of all things, it was on um, only iPhones and OS. Yeah. Not, not and this is, remember, uh, LinkedIn is a Microsoft company. Right. Which is just, you know. It's very sneaky. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, I'm just rather I'm bamboozled. But yeah. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, so my last question, please, is what three pieces of tech do you use to maintain client communications? And I know we talked uh, earlier on about uh, texting. Texting. So that was my number one. So right. <laughs> that was there. Um, so it, it, it depends on the channel. So I And I also did reference Lawmatics for my automation. I love having some automated uh, messaging in or com client communication just ready to go. So just as a lawyer, as I practice, as I talk to clients, I'm always looking for those conversations that I'm having over and over again, or those emails that I seem to be writing over and over again. Um, and I use Lawmatics to sort of anticipate my client's questions before they ask it and get them that information. So that's the onboarding email that they get. Um, they will get text messages automatically from me when they call the office and talk to our answering team, but didn't get to talk to us. So there's all kinds of ways that Lawmatics lets me build in these like helpful, friendly uh, little messages to keep their client journey, um, you know, pleasant and easy and friction free. Uh, so that's my favorite. Could you give a couple examples on that? I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Lawmatics now and I, I don't recall having heard of this before. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, it's like it's like a plug. Matt Spiegel is the um, founder, and he's out of San Diego, and he's also he also is the founder of My Case, um, mm -hmm. so he might be familiar. So he's no longer working with My Case, but this is his new tool, and he's described it sort of as the sales uh, Salesforce for lawyers. 
And so that's when I say it's a tool that does a lot more than what I'm particular, what I've designed it for. But for me, um, one of my favorite functionalities of it is not only does it track these track leads as they come in, but it allows me to fire off sequences um, based on how they come in and where they are in the process that will send them communication. So I just referenced quickly, hey, when you call my, if you're a new client and you called and you want to book and, and you want to talk to a lawyer, but you can't get, we're not available to talk. Um, I use Lawmatics to, that's integrated with Lex Reception to fire off a text message to the person who's called that says, hey, would you like to schedule, um, if you'd like to schedule time to speak directly with an attorney, here's a link where you can schedule time with them. We look forward to talking to you. In the meantime, you know, we'll be back, we'll be in touch with you shortly. Um, so it's just like that nice moment where, you know, I tend to think my clients might be sitting around and they might have five attorneys they're calling. And if we're not able to pick up the phone right away, well, this is a nice way to, to stay sticky um, and to keep, keep us top of mind. Um, so that's sort of like one of those initial automated uh, communications. Um, and then of course we send and we onboard all of our clients through Lawmatics as well. So they receive that intake form, they receive you know, an electronic fee agreement and an invoice all through Lawmatics. So it all comes in this uniform sort of um, way that they're not getting you know, emails from a, a lot of different places or notifications from right. a lot of different places. Um, and then, of course, once they've been onboarded, we have, once everything's been signed, I don't have to check anything. It knows that everything's been signed. They've submitted all their documents and they get an onboarding. Hey, we've got everything. We're going to let you know if we need anything else. You know, because like clients will submit everything. Now they want, they want to hear back from you saying, um, you know, did you get everything? Did you get the payment? Did you get the fee agreement? Did you get all the documents? Um, so this is just a nice way that they feel like, okay, I know that I know that I've handed off everything and they've now got the ball to run with it. Um, so little moments like that, if you can build those in, um, obviously we have more of those moments as our representation continues, you know, depending on what kind of case they are, we have customized emails that help them um, navigate that part of the case. Perfect, perfect. So wait, I think uh, I gotta get one more idea. Yeah, I still have one more. So yes. uh, covered texting, and that's like the informal communication. Lawmatics would be like automated emails. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the things that I really think every law firm should have, and I think, you know, we're getting to a point where more and more people are adopting this, is you always want to have a way to have secure communication with clients. Yes. Because, you know, when they're texting me, hey, what time's court tomorrow? That doesn't need to be secure. But if you're sending me medical documents, All right. <laughs> then that needs to be secure. I'm, over, I'm sending them important documents that relate to, you know, Know, sensitive information, um, I love to have the portal. So one of the things about practice management, whatever practice management tool you're looking at or thinking about, you always want to, one of the most valuable things they have is a secure portal, just because encrypted email is really hard. Um, and so email is not going to cover it uh, if you want that extra layer. And increasingly, I have clients who ask about it and they say, hey, you know, I'll send you this, but do you have a secure channel of communication? Um, so it's always good to have that handy. And I think it's critical that, that we have access. Well, may I ask what you use? So I have Clio as my mm. practice management. And so then I use that portal. Oh, okay. So they have a client portal. Yeah. Portal for transfer of documents. Now on Clio, do you also keep your other clients documents on that platform or do, I you, do. Use something, do you use something else? So I think that's the value of practice management software is mm. that I put all of the files on paper. I have a paperless office. So I right. have all my files are in the cloud. Um, they're, they're, 
stored in Clio. Mm -hmm. um, and I have access to it from the app on my phone, from my computer, no matter where I am. Oh, okay. I, uh, I've been, you know, researching other, you know, CRMs, including Clio. And I was a little confused because I was getting the impression that um, Clio did not allow you to store documents. Oh, so, so it's interesting because I don't think of Clio as much of a, well, because they have, so Clio has the, they have two products now. They have Clio Manage right. um, and Clio Grow. And Clio Grow is more about onboarding and that's more of a CRM tool. Okay. Um, but, and like Lawmatics is more of my CRM tool, but okay. the practice management, the Clio Manage, that's where like your practice of law is happening. Um, right. Which is funny, and it's funny because uh, one of my um, friends and legal tech gurus, Kim Bennett, is always saying, she's like, look, I could, I could turn almost any CRM tool into a practice management tool, but I cannot turn a practice management tool into a CRM tool. Um, and, so, and, and so part of that, most CRM tools will have some storage capability. I don't use Clio Grow, so maybe when you're auditing Clio, it might have been you were looking at the Clio Grow right, right, right. part of it. Um, and that was just a part that didn't really fit as well with my practice area, but the Clio Manage has, has been, you know, just great. And it's so nice to have a, a secure place to store that. Um, and it's, you know, obviously one of the things that I love about them, I, I love their company. I love the design that they've put into it. They're also exceptionally well-funded um, and have a very talented security team working 24 seven to make sure their business is going well. And so I love the idea of having that, you know, at least, I mean, maybe these days all security seems to be theater, but, you know, at least having the perception of having that kind of sophisticated team protecting my clients' data is really um, something that helps me sleep at night. Oh, excellent. Erin, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today. Can you tell us where people can find you? Of course. Um, so you can find me on most channels, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at EHG Law Firm. Um, and you can just find me there and reach out. And I'd love to chat. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you again for being a guest on our podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Tech Savvy Lawyer Page podcast. I hope you enjoy yourself, learn something new, and we'll come back again in about two Tuesdays for another podcast. If you have any ideas about the presentation, questions about what we discussed today or ideas about future episodes, please leave comments in the blog or email me directly at michaeldj at the techsavvylawyer.page. Have a great day and happy lawyering. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.